thank you for this time of worship this morning. And that is our prayer, that you give us the strength and the will to follow you and give us the ears to listen to your Holy Spirit. Please speak to us through your word this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're really glad you're here this morning. In fact, why don't you tell somebody that doesn't expect you to say that to them? That means not your spouse. Uh, but uh, tell somebody that you're glad you're here, okay? That'd be good. All right? That's good. I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you're here too. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad you're here. <laughs> I can't do that, uh, what you just did. So uh, when I was a little kid, um, my dad is one of those guys has no, he doesn't have second gear, third gear, he's just got overdrive. And I don't know if any of you were ever raised by parents like that, but um, you know, we could call him turbo, but he was just on the move all the time. And when he moved, he moved fast. And so I remember grabbing onto his hand when I was really little. I'm 6'2 now, so, and he was 6'1, so I was a little bit taller than he is. But uh, um, I, I would have to run to keep up. Anybody ever experienced that type of thing before where you have to run to keep up with your parents or something like that? Well, you didn't have to wave that much. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a real obvious one there. Um, but uh, uh, I kind of thought when I became a Christian... And I haven't shared my testimony with you, but I, I became a believer when I was 18 years of age, raised in a non-Christian home, and uh, didn't know much about the Bible. Uh, all the stories were new to me. Uh, people would talk about, well, you know, David and Goliath, and I would think, no, where's that found? And I didn't know anything about the scriptures. I'd heard about Pharisees and Sadducees. I didn't know what they were, but there was a parable about sheep and goats, so I thought maybe one, maybe Sadducees are one kind of a goat or a sheep or something. I, I just didn't know anything. So uh, for anybody, now I've memorized a lot of scripture, obviously, and I know it well, but I I do remember the time when it was relatively new uh, to me. And I would read passages like the one we're going to have on the screen right here. And uh, let's go ahead and put up that. uh, This is in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Most of you are familiar with the fruit of the Spirit passage that comes out of this. It's in verses 22 and 23, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such there is no law. We'll read that in a few moments. But it starts like this. And it talks about uh, the Spirit quite a bit in here. And you'll notice how it ex- expresses uh, your relationship with the Spirit. is isn't just about the fruit of the Spirit, but it's also staying in touch with the movement of the Spirit. So it says, so I say walk by the Spirit. So we're already st- starting with movement. Walk by the Spirit. Uh, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's move to the next verse. Uh, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not uh, uh, to do whatever you want. Okay, But if you are led by the Spirit, now we've gone from walking with the Spirit to being led, specific direction by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Uh, The acts of the flesh are obvious, and now it's talking about the opposite of the of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the flesh, living by the flesh. It says there's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, 
and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Uh, by the way, there are more than the nine fruit of the Spirit. There's a whole bunch more that are here. Uh, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you're living by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, or you're living in this particular environment. But the fruit of the Spirit is, as we said before, love, joy, peace, forbearance, instead of patience, it mentions in this version, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, I want you to, usually we stop there. Let's not stop there. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So right here, he's combining everything he said. There are people that have certain things that they're led by that are fleshly, that are not good. They're not healthy for you. Um, I don't want you to be led by that. There's something else. The people that are led by the Spirit, something else. And it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now, before we exit there, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So how we walk, how we move, how we're led, and how we keep in step. Um, extremely important. Do you follow what you see with the Holy Spirit? If you really are living by the Spirit, there's movement going on. And I always perceived it as a little kid and as a new Christian, and I think it's probably, I'm a pretty aggressive personality. I, I like to excel at things. I was in athletics. I was in academics and did lots of things, and I wanted to be first. I wanted to get out there and do the right thing. And I perceived movement if it's movement in, in the will of the Lord as going forward, as moving as fast as you can, that when you're following the Holy Spirit, he's going to take you to places where you've never been before, challenges that you've never experienced or, um, or wouldn't even perceive. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm kind of going out of the screen, aren't I? Sorry to all of you who are watching online. When I disappear, it's just for a moment. Um, But that's not what the Scripture says. I started reading the Scripture a little bit more vibrantly, and I started saying, you know, this idea of moving pell-mell ahead, you're not listening to the Lord, because frequently the Lord has us doing different kinds of things. If we're really listening, if we're attentive, and if we're, all we're doing is moving forward at, uh, you know, a rabbit's pace, if we're always just running as hard as we can, thinking, what's the next thing I'm supposed to do? Now, this is almost contrary to what I was saying two weeks ago when I said, don't walk by the thing that is most important to the Lord. You have to be attentive uh, to get to the thing that we see as most important. But in a sense, it's the same thing because something that's important to the Lord might be right here, right in front of our nose, or might even be behind us. So I started noticing that living by the Spirit is exactly that, moving with the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't move in one direction. So let's talk about the obvious one, the Holy Spirit. When a person is moving by the Spirit, they frequently go forward. I mean, and forward fast, forward in a significant way, in a direction. Uh, you know, I've got something I've got to accomplish. We might, you know, the Lord might be taking us kicking and screaming like, uh, you know, like Jonah. You know, he didn't want to go. Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he was still Saul, when he was stricken, he didn't want to go. And Ananias didn't want to go and talk to him about, you know, didn't want to move forward, but God was moving him forward. Um, I think about uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 when, when David came out and saw that the army was immobilized by the intimidation of Goliath and the Philistine army. And uh, 
What did he do? He moved forward. Everybody else retreated, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he said, you know, in his childlike voice to this creepy guy, you come against me with, you know, sword, but I come against you in the power of God, you know, et cetera. And uh, um, real intimidating, I'm sure. But the Lord moved him into a place that was um, unexpected for him, and, and, and we're, we're accustomed to that kind of thing. And we see it over and over again. Moving with the Spirit frequently is taking us into places we didn't know that we could go. I remember when... Um, uh, you, you know that we were missionaries for a season, and when we were, we lived in the Philippines. We went to the Philippines. I didn't want to go. I, frankly, I didn't have any interest in going uh, to become a missionary. We were pastoring a church. The church was actually here in Spokane. It was out in the Spokane Valley, and we had some great growth during those uh, years, that season. We went to a church that was had about 100 people, and in three years, we were probably about 350 people and lots of people getting saved. Good things were happening. I had no desire to learn a language, go to another culture, drag my kids around the world, etc. But the Lord made it very obvious for us that we were to go somewhere else. And, uh, and we kind of went a little bit of kicking and screaming. I thought, no, no, this doesn't make sense. We went to a conference and uh, at the conference there was a person from Africa, Central Africa, who was speaking to us. And, uh, and I don't know if it was something he said but in the hotel the next day, uh, next morning, Marlene and I were talking. We were having breakfast together. And uh, it became very clear to me. I had a very vivid dream in the middle of the night. And I told her, I said, I had an unusual dream. And she said, I did too. And, uh, and I said, you go first. But she's my lovely wife. And she said, no, you go first. So I did. And uh, so I said, well, I had this dream that we were... You know, and we, this is why we're sitting there eating. I'm eating raisin bran and milk. I still remember what I had. And I said, well, I had this dream that, that, you know, I'm a pastor here in Washington. I have no desire to be a missionary, but that I was stepping off in an airplane, walking down the long steps, you know, not going on a bridgeway, but down onto the tarmac. And as we're walking down, we have these great big folders in, in the Philippines of the these banners, excuse me, they're unfolded. Uh, these banners were held there and said, uh, Thomas family, welcome to the Philippines. Thank you for coming. And I thought, oh, that was a weird thing. And I said, it was like we were going to be missionaries or something. And I said, what was your dream? And she said, it was the same thing. Same place. And I thought, okay, well, that's not real. I mean, it's not something I'm going to do. I have no intention of doing that. I'm, we're doing very fine, thank you. And um, so later that day, went back to this conference, and I'm sitting at a table, and a fellow who happened to be the director of missions couldn't find a place to sit, and he came and sat right in front of me, and he looked at my name badge, and he said, oh, you're Matt Thomas. And I said, yeah. He said, your name came up three or four times this morning. We, have to, we need to have a, a missionary to go to the Philippines to lead um, a, a college there. That's, that's done academics, which I had. I'd been teaching on a college level and uh, a seminary level. And they said, uh, we need somebody to lead church planting, and you've planted churches. And we needed somebody to do leadership development. And we heard that you've done that really well, and your name kept popping up. So we'd like to talk to you about going to the Philippines. And I thought, nah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, are you following a trend? So I came back to... Uh, Spokane here where I was pastoring and I didn't tell anybody but my sister Lynn, some of you know my older sister Lynn um, came up to me after the service 
And I'd preached. She was in the church I was pastoring, and she came up to me, and she gave me a kiss on the cheek with tears in her eyes, and she said, I'm going to miss you when you become a missionary in the Philippines. The Lord told me you're going, you know. So I thought, okay, all right, I'm, I'm listening. And the Lord orchestrated this whole thing in a way, and we went over. And I mean, I'll, I'll share another testimony in another week about, um, you know, how the Lord did use that experience. And of course, I don't know where our Filipino uh, brothers and sisters are here today, but, but uh, we've had those conversations with them. Um, sometimes the Spirit moves us into directions we don't necessarily anticipate going, right? I mean, if, if anybody ever experienced that, where the Lord is directing you in a direction that's a little beyond what you're... Your ideas are? Elena, you're, you're nodding yes. Okay. So that's kind of the movement of the Spirit. So you see it throughout the Bible. You see uh, Moses uh, leading the people. He didn't even want to lead them, but the Lord was taking them into the land flowing with milk and honey. You see Abram. All you have to do is read uh, his calling by, in Genesis chapter uh, 12, verses 1 through 4. It says, God says, Abraham, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your people, and I want you to leave your family's household, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you, I will make your name great, and those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse, and all nations on earth will be blessed through you. And it's a pretty big promise, but what's the deal? I want you to go. I want you to go somewhere, and I'm not even going to show you until you're on your way. And he's saying, by, by people and nation and all that stuff, he's telling you, I'm, I want you to go to a place you don't know, to a culture you're not aware of, to where there's no people that you know, and you're leaving your family, you're going to learn a new language, all that kind of stuff. Very similar to, in a sense, ours, only the fact that I wasn't 90 years old when we were called, or 75 years old, actually, when he first left. Um, so we've got lots of stories of that in the Bible. I've just mentioned David and Moses, and I could go on and on and on and talk about people that are moving forward. And I think we've got that, that sometimes if we're attentive, the Lord will lead us into a trajectory uh, with which we're not familiar or not eager to pursue, but God makes it clear, if we're listening. That's a key, that's a key point here, if we're listening. I think a lot of people have missed great opportunity. I said, the, you know, the Lord's never really done much with us, with me and my wife or my husband or whatever. I, I think a lot of times, if we haven't been stretched way beyond our ability and way beyond our means, that we might have missed some opportunities. So we have to be attentive because sometimes the Lord calls us uh, forward into things. So I'm not going to belabor that one. I think we all know it. And that's what I understood when I became a Christian. I thought it's like trying to keep up with my dad. Keeping up with the Holy Spirit is moving that way. And it's going beyond. And I need resources and ability that I don't possess myself. But then I started noticing, and here's the kicker. Only a third of the places in the Bible where it talks about the Spirit leading somebody or the Spirit directing somebody is forward. Did you know that? Roughly a third of the time, it's to be still and know that I am God. Yeah, you're familiar with uh, Psalm 46.10 or Psalm 37.7 where it talks about the Spirit of the Lord directing us to wait. I have to wait, take heart, be patient, and wait for the Lord. Now I'm 20, Psalm 27. Now that I'm using, I'm kind of conflating those two together. But David is saying the same thing. In other words, David was a man of action. And what did he have to learn in listening to the Spirit? Sometimes we don't take control. 
Sometimes we don't take charge. Sometimes the wrong thing to do is to move forward. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit and let Him wait. I remember when I was pastoring, um, well, we just planted Timberview on the north side after we came back from being missionaries in the Philippines. And we'd started the church, and it was going really well. And I told the congregation, I said, I said, uh, it's really important for everybody here to know that we have to be unified in the love of Christ. We can have differences in different kinds of things, but we have to be on the same page with our hearts and love one another. There can't be this snippy, arguey kind of a thing. There can't be a division that causes division in the body that rips us apart. I said, if that ever happens, I said, we will deal with it. And I said, and if it's me and it can't be resolved by me, I'm letting you know right now, even though that I'm the church planner, I'll be gone. If, if it cannot be resolved. Unity and love in the body is extremely important to me. And I hope it is to you as well. That's very important. One, one critical, argumentative, hurtful person can destroy a church. You know? So I, I kind of preached that quite a bit. Well, we were going along pretty well. We started with just a little group of people. And within uh, a couple of years, I, we, were at, we had two or 300 people already. And we were kind of growing well. And, and it had been a unified, together body. And things were going in a very positive direction. Well... Marlene came outside, and when I was mowing the, the backyard at our house up here by Whitworth College, University, whatever it's called now, and, uh, and she said, uh, we need to pray or whatever. And I came in, and I said, what's going on? And, and she told me, she said, I just found out that so-and-so and so-and-so, I won't mention the two names because somebody here might know somebody, but... Uh, um, are, they're kind of having a problem with one another. And these are two godly people. They love the Lord. I know they love one another, but they were, having, they were kind of strong-willed and dug in on some things, and it was creating some division with them. And uh, so you know what I did? Because I'm a take-charge kind of guy. I went in and picked up the phone, and Marlene looked at me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to call them. I'm going to, we're going to settle this. We're going to settle this today. Today's Saturday. Tomorrow's Sunday. I don't want them dragging whatever the dirt is into the church. You know, tomorrow, we, we have to resolve this. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. You know, that kind of thing. So I was quoting scripture. Misquoting it, really, there. But, but I was quoting it anyway. And uh, I was quoting it for my own, own devices. But I said, uh, I, I picked up the phone, and Marlene looked at me, and she said, don't you think we should pray first? Ask what the what the Lord, what the Spirit would have us do? I said, sure. So we prayed, and it became very clear. The Lord, it was almost like audibly said, look, these are my children. I've got this. Don't get in the way. I thought, okay. If the church is destroyed, it's your fault. It's not mine. <laughs> it's your church, you know. Hang up the phone. All right. I was getting nervous. I showed up the next morning, and of course I'm doing all my stuff, and we had multiple services, and I think it was between a couple of the services that we had that uh, I see these two people standing back there, tears streaming down their face. They're embracing, etc. The Lord didn't let either one of them sleep all night long. And they resolved it in the morning. They couldn't stand it. And I went back and I shared with them the story that I'm sharing with you right now. I was going to call yesterday because I knew that there were some issues and I know that I'm hoping they, oh, they said, the Lord has just worked all this out. And one of them looked at me and said, oh, pastor, I'm so glad you didn't call yesterday. You would have messed everything up. (laughs) 
What was the Holy Spirit telling me to do? Stay pat. Be still. Be still. Stay pat. You know, as aggressive as Moses was leading people, there was a place where Moses took them to uh, the sea, and they're waiting at the sea, and the Egyptians say, what did we do? We shoot them out of town, and yet we're losing our entire workforce, all the slaves. And so they come pressing in on them. they got the sea on one side, and they've got the encroaching army, the pursuing army of Egypt behind them. And they're panicking, and they cry out in chapter 14. They're complaining. They are telling Moses, he brought them in the wilderness to die. They wish they would, had been back there where they had leeks to eat and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, Moses turned to the Lord, and the Lord said, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in chapter 14, where he turned to the people after hearing instruction in verse uh, 12 and 13. He turns to the people, and he says, the Lord said, I will fight for you. You need to be still. Now, who was speaking? The Lord. And what was God saying? Just wait. And they're getting closer and they're getting closer. Just, just wait. And they're getting closer and closer and just wait. And then Moses extends his hands by the Lord and the sea opens and the, they go through and the Egyptian army is, it perishes in the thing. There are a lot of places where it talks about waiting, about being still, about being calm. Uh, like I said, uh, four places in the Psalms David reluctantly says, I will wait. He tried, what happens if we try to move forward? What happened to Saul when Saul said, I can't wait any longer for, for Samuel to come and offer the sacrifice? What happened? It was that day that God said, I'm wrenching the kingdom out of your hand. You moved ahead when you shouldn't have moved ahead. You should have waited and understood that my person was going to be here. I said you needed to be patient. You weren't patient. If, if, if nobody has figured it out yet, sometimes patience is a whole lot better than impatience. In fact, I think most of the time that's the case, right? And so about roughly a third of the places in the Bible where this movement with the Spirit is not to go forward, but it's to pause. Why is that? Because sometimes we think, well, if I'm charging ahead, you know, by the Spirit's help, we're going to be able to conquer, you know, enemies or uh, scale mountains, we're going to be able to do some. And those are great stories. And probably our favorite stories in the Bible are the charge forward ones. The ones that become uh, less conspicuous are the ones where we're told to wait and let the Lord handle it. Psalm 73 is about that. You become impatient and the fact that there's too much wickedness in the land, we've got to take care of it. We've got to fix this stuff. And God's saying, no, they'll get theirs. You have to let me act on the injustice. You don't act on all the injustice. Uh, be patient for me. And so we have to be still. We have to be calm. We have to be patient. We have to listen to the Lord. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says, be still and know that I'm God, that I've got this. But that's not the only movement of the Holy Spirit, roughly a third of the time. And uh, I, I've done a major study on this, so I could give you scriptures if you're interested, but it's, uh, it's more than 100 times each time. But uh, where the Lord or the Spirit or the Spirit of the Lord, one of those descriptions, directs toward movement, as it says, keeping in step with the Spirit. Sometimes it's forward, about a third. About a third of the time it's uh, staying still or 
you know, uh, or a lateral movement in some kind, like the Apostle Paul led by the Spirit went to Bithynia. He was going forward. He was going to go up, excuse me, he was going to go to Bithynia. He ended up going to Macedonia because of this Macedonian vision that he had. So he, he ended up moving. So sometimes it's still or a little lateral movement in some way. But there's another kind of movement, and it's backward. And that's literally about 30% of the time, about 30 percent of the time, uh, there's the, when the Spirit of the Lord is leading people, it's to go back. In fact, the Hebrews have a term that they used to use. In fact, if you would log on, you want to hear some Hebrew songs sometime, just type in S-H-U-V-I, Shuvi, and any Hebrew will know. It's all, it, it means to return or to go back. Go back to following the commandments. We've strayed too far away. Go back to the land. Go back to the to the remembrance of what God has done in the past. Some of the most powerful passages have to do with go back or remember or to look back uh, or to rediscover what God has given. What's the idea of repentance? What is repentance? It's going the other way. It's flipping around. It's moving another direction. The very first move we do when we're listening to the Holy Spirit, when we get saved, is to go back from where we're headed and to turn in another direction. It's the direction of the Lord. It's to humble ourselves, which is what? It's a kind of a moving backwards. It's moving downward. Are, are you with me? Shuvi is all over in the Old Testament. And like I said, all you have to do is go on, go on uh, YouTube and click on, just type in those letters and see how many songs come up. Uh, there'll be dozens and dozens and dozens of songs because the people in moving ahead, what they thought was ahead, was a wrong move when they needed a return. Deuteronomy chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 5, when, when Moses is getting toward the end of his life, he spends more time talking about remembering, going back. If you ever forget, that's looking back, if you ever forget that God has done all this for you, then you're going to go and do things that the other nations do. You're going to be worshiping gods that are not gods. You're going to be thinking it's by your own pride and by your own power and your own ability you've accomplished all these things. If you ever forget or don't look back or fail to remember, your life will be like those of all the nations around you and you will be destroyed just like them. All of those passages are about what? About going backwards. And it's not just in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. I could give you several, I'll give you at least one, where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is saying, you know, you have something to offer to the Lord, and uh, we normally, you know, do that in some kind of an idea of a sacrifice or a gift of some kind. And he says, if you bring your sacrifice or your offering to, to the Lord, and you're getting ready to present it, this is in Matthew chapter 5, and he says, and you remember there that someone has something against you, what do you do? You go back. Do you, do you ultimately offer the sacrifice? Absolutely. But you can't do it with a bad heart, bad relationship, destroyed stuff. you got to go back. It says go back and you're repairing this. And it's only when you repair this that you have a clean heart, that you come forward, that your gift and your offering matters for anything, that it counts for anything. It's, it's the going back that qualifies the ability to go forward. As a, as a new Christian, as a person that's just getting started, etc. And I started doing some, uh, I, so I shared something uh, like this in a church a number of years ago that I pastored about the idea of returning. And I said, I think that sometimes churches are held back because there's so many people that have damaged relationships, stuff like that, and they're wondering why the Lord doesn't speak to them today. 
They're wondering why I can't seem to move forward. I don't have joy in the Lord, etc. And it might be a division with a spouse, somebody in their own family or whatever, some kind of a problem that's happened, and they've never gone back and tried to repair it. What are they doing? They're, they come every Sunday, and they offer their offering to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit in those moments is saying, I want you to go back. Shuvi, return, remember, don't forget, listen to me. And I've had that kind of thing happen, oh man, so many times. Um, where there's something, a relationship, maybe I just haven't been listening to, but it pops in my mind, I gotta text that person, I gotta make sure they're okay, or, you know, or I forgot to go back and say, just something as simple as saying thank you to someone. That's going back. You know, this person helped me through seminary or college or a person helped me uh, get that job or this person gave a gift that really got us over the hump and I realize now as I'm praying the Holy Spirit revealed to me I never said thank you what's the Holy Spirit doing then go back does it all the time to me I don't know about you stuff pops into my head that's not forward moving at all it's reminding us it's reminding me of a promise I made and a commitment I made and I didn't do it I just forgot it how many Christians have done that? I won't ask you to raise your hand. Time, time you said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll get right on it. I had a guy come to a church. I was pastoring at one point in time, and, and the guy said, uh, I told him, I said, uh, uh, businessman, I mean, put a lot of money in the altar. He was wealthy. He tithed, all that kind of cool stuff, but, but uh, had a vibrant testimony in the Lord. He had moved from Texas to Spokane, and he was looking for a good church, and, and his family stayed home after about week three because they were bouncing around. They hadn't found the church they were looking for, and they ended up coming to our church, and I think we were the eighth church in the last five he'd gone to by himself, so he didn't drag his family through that. And uh, so um, just for the sake of anonymity, we'll just call the guy Dan. His real name is Mike, but, um, <laughs> but so, so what did I say? Dan. So so I met Dan afterwards, and I said, uh, I said, uh, you know, hey, it's good to see you. Where are you from? Tell me your story, et cetera. And we got chit-chatting a little bit. I said, you got a business card? And he said, uh, yeah, he was, worked in the computer industry, and he was leading a, an office here with uh, a, a couple hundred employees or something like that in the computer field. And uh, he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, why don't we get together? We'll have lunch or whatever. He said, sure. He gave me the card. I said, I'll call you tomorrow. Maybe we can get together on Tuesday or Wednesday. He said, I'm free both of those days. Just give me a call. So I called him the next day, and he said uh, to me, I said, hi, is this, what did I just say, Dan? Is it, we'll call him Dan. And uh, I said, is this Dan? He said, yeah. He said, who's this? I said, this is P Pastor Matt uh, from... From, the, from Timberview, from the church that uh, you were at on Sunday. He said, yes. He got kind of really reluctant. And I said, I told you I was going to give you a, a call and set up a lunch. And I said, I've got it tomorrow available on Tuesday, if that works. He goes, yes. And I said, uh, I said, you want to meet at such and such a restaurant? We'll meet about uh, 12. He said, yes. And I said, if you don't want to meet, he said, no, no, you're, you're shocking me. And I said, why is that? He said, you're about the ninth church that I went to, and every pastor said they were going to get together with me and give me a call. You're the first one to do it. It's even pastors will make a commitment or a promise. Good intentions, 
but sometimes it slips our brain. And I thought, wow, that was low-hanging fruit. I mean, I ended up developing a relationship. He came into the church. Why? Because I gave the guy a phone call. And we sat down over lunch, and he said, I found my church because I can't go somewhere where somebody makes a commitment or a promise and they don't follow through. So wouldn't you like to know the theology of the church? He said, we'll get there. (laughs) Theology was secondary to someone actually following up. Are you with me? Sometimes the Spirit actually tells us, go back. You made a commitment. You made a promise. You had a broken relationship. There was this flawed thing. There There was something you said you were going to accomplish, and yet you moved on and said, well, maybe God's leading me somewhere else when God really wasn't leading me somewhere else. And sometimes the Holy Spirit moves us back. If we live by the Spirit, verse 25 said, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And what step is that? Sometimes it's forward, beyond what we think we're capable of. Sometimes it's backward, um, stuff that sometimes we don't want to do because it's admitting that we failed something or something's broken needs to be fixed. And sometimes it's not moving anywhere, but it's movement with the Spirit. Because we, so, we get happy feet. We want to go. We want to do something about this. And God is saying, be still and know that I am God. Are you with me? Please say yes. Okay, good. It's helpful. If I'm losing people, let me know. So it's with that thought in mind, um, and I don't have it on the screen here before you, because I don't think I need to put it on the screen, because everybody here knows the passage. You're pretty familiar. It's the most famous chapter in the entire Bible. Not The most famous verse, popular verse, well-known verse, is John 3.16. But the most well-known and loved uh, chapter in the Bible is in the Old Testament in the Psalms, and it's which one? Psalm 23. Okay, you all know that, so I know. I started listening to this, And I want you to walk through it with me for a moment because you're going to see the same kind of thing. David kind of learned his lesson. He was a guy that was aggressive, wanted to move forward, and God moved him forward a lot. He had to stub his toes a few times to remember that he made some commitments or did some things or said some promises that he needed to go back and repair. And he's the guy that you read most often in the Psalms that says he learned to be still and to be patient before the Lord and allow his heart to to be calm before the Lord. But I want you to listen to this maybe with a new set of ears. And I'm going to ask you to respond with me because you'll see movement in here, and I want you to tell me what kind of movement it is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What is that? Stay. He leads me beside quiet waters. What's that? Go. Let's go. We're moving. He restores my soul, which restoration takes place when we're at rest, in a sense. This is spiritual rest. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Do you see where he's toggling back and forth? He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why? For you're with me. You are with me. There's presence, which has that kind of quality of being at rest. Your rod and your staff, uh, they comfort me. Now listen to this one. This is really a stay. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's a guy who was used to attacking enemies all the time. And in this particular case, God says what? 
stay. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I got this. You don't have to do it, David. Did you anoint my head with oil? My cup overflows. And then he says, surely goodness and love or mercy will follow me. That's moving. All the days of my life, I know I can move forward and forge because I never run away and get too far from the love and the mercy and the, love, uh, and the goodness of God, right? Amen. And how does he close the thing? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's that? That's stay. I'll live there. I had never read this psalm that way until I understood what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. Sometimes it's moving forward. Sometimes it's the necessity of, before we offer our sacrifice, going back and looking back and repairing what's done. And sometimes it's not doing anything. It's sitting there and just doing it. But we have to be listening to the Spirit of the Lord. So when I was in, uh, when we were in the very first church where Marlene and I were lead pastors, I was in my 20s, loved the Lord. Uh, church was going well there too. We had, a, we had good things going on. The ministry was going well, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I got a call in the middle of the night. When a pastor gets a call in the middle of the night, it's not usually a good call. Somebody's just died or they've been taken to the hospital or something like that. And this was one of those types of crisis things. Um, the uh, a family in our um, church called me at about 2 o'clock in the morning and said, we have a trouble here. And I said, what's that? And said, our neighbor, and everybody knew he was a drug dealer, and uh, he had a gal living with him and her daughter from a previous relationship or whatever. And he'd pulled a gun out. They'd had some kind of a fight, argument, and uh, he fired it a couple of times. He was trying to kill the gal, and then he was going to kill her daughter. But the gal was able to lock the door. And she's describing this to me on the phone. She said she was able to lock the door, and they crawled out the window and came to our house, their neighbors. And she's, um, you know, cowering right now and shaking, et cetera. Can you come over? And I said, well, did you call the police? Yeah, the police are here. They've surrounded the house, um, and uh, they're in the room right now talking to the gal, and I said, okay, I'll be right over. Well, you know, I'm a pretty spiritual person. I love God. You know, I think the Lord has used me in different times and seasons and ways and all that kind of stuff. So I got up, got dressed. You know, Marlene kind of opened her eye about that big and said, I'll pray for you. And I thought, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, she did. But... Uh, you did, honey. I know you did. But um, so I went and got my clothes on and all that kind of stuff, and brushed my hair and jumped in the car. And it was about 10 minutes from where uh, I was living. And I just wanted to center in on, and bask in the goodness of God. So I put on a, there were, used to be a thing called cassette tapes. Do you remember those? I put a cassette tape in my car and I was listening to some Maranatha music. I'm, I'm telling you the era that this is in. And I'm listening to some Maranatha music, and I'm worshiping the Lord. I'm just really lifted up. Uh, what I failed to do was pray to figure out what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do when I got there. I just thought, because I'm the Lord's, I'll get it. So I walked up, and it just so happened the sheriff of the county, it was a small town, uh, I happened to know him. His name is Bob, and I'll just say his name is Bob, okay? I'm not going to make up a name. And uh, I got out, and there were 
uh, four patrol cars there, and guys were behind them, and they had the little bullhorn thing, and they're trying to talk the guy out, and the guy's yelling and screaming out of the house. So I didn't even go over to the Erickson's house, our, our uh, members of our church, where the gal was. And I just looked at Bob. This is, I think it's a different era now than it was back in the early 80s um, because I don't think they would let you do this now. But I just said, hey, Bob, I just let me go up and talk to the guy. He goes, no, stay back here. And I said, no, you know, God's got me. I'm, I'm good. And uh, so he said, okay, you know, be safe, that kind of thing. So I don't think they do that now. But, <laughs> but that's like 30, 40 years ago. Anyway, so I walk up. And I'm standing at the door, and I found out the guy's name, and I called him out, and I said, um, hey, I know that things are tough for you right now, but don't make things worse. And I was just talking to him. And a bullet came through the door. He shot, and he missed me by about two inches. And I immediately jumped off to the side, got behind the door jam, and I got anxious, you know? You probably would have, too. Uh, <laughs> And you know what came to my mind? I didn't ask for help. And I said, God, what do I do? And almost when I said, God, what do I do? Because I'm kind of betwixt and between. I'm right by the door, and the police are over there at the edge of the yard. And uh, I just, what are, and man, something hit me. And I'm not really an angry kind of a person, but I started yelling at this guy. And I didn't call him bad names. Don't worry. I didn't, I didn't. But I was yelling. And I did call him an idiot. And I, said, I called him a fool. And I told him what he had experienced in his life. I think prophetically. I didn't even know. But it's just like it's your background. And I could tell you some stories about my background where there was quite a bit of abuse and stuff like that. And I thought, and I started telling him exactly this kind of thing that that he was thinking, that he was going through, and that he'd experienced in his life. And it got really quiet. And I said, so open this stupid door and let me come in. And uh, it was very unpastoral-like. <laughs> he opened the door. And I came in and he closed it right behind. You know, he didn't want the police to come in. And he started to cry. And he said how do you know who I am? He said, I'm going to kill myself. He said, but how do you know? He was, the whole shooting thing was leading up to a, a murder-suicide deal. He said, I'm done. I'm done. And I said, no, you're not done. I said, man, you got a whole life in front of you and good things, but you're going to have to turn things around. And there's one way we're going to start. You're going to go to jail. I know that. You know that. But I said, you can get straight out with God and you're going to be free, ironically, as you're enclosed. And you can start a free life. And he said, what do I do? And I said, well, first put the gun down. <laughs> he said, no, I'm keeping the gun. And I said, okay. And I laid hands on him and I just asked him to repeat after me. He gave his life to the Lord. The end of the story is, the guy ended up being so excited, he led several of his people to the Lord people that he'd been dealing drugs with, he was leading to Christ, he got out of that business, he got into other things, he was so excited about his faith, and he sat in the front row every week at church after he finally got out of jail. And uh, I'm just saying, it, I don't care how mature you are in the Lord, you can't stand step with the Spirit if you're not communicating with the Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit had something for me to do and to say in that moment, and I was not listening. And so it's impossible in that context to be able to keep in step with the Spirit. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me. The worship team's going to come forward. We're going to sing one last song, and then we'll dismiss you. But I want you to, to stand with me right now, if you would, just if you can, uh, get to your feet. And we're going to pray. And if you've never, if you don't even know what I'm talking about here, and you're just saying, okay, I'd like to listen to the Spirit, but what is the Spirit and who is it? Well, it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. God the Father has sent the Spirit, and we get to know Him when we come to know Christ. So if you've never received Christ in your life, I invite you to do that right now with me, and I'm going to pray with you. Um, But if you have, I'm going to ask you to do what every Christian should do, and that is to keep in step with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to walk hand in hand with the Spirit. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise that uh, you lead us, you direct us, you guide us. Thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to be able to hear your voice in prayer. Sometimes Scripture just pops out and hits us, and it's a way that you speak. And sometimes, just like that circumstance with the Philippines, it was it was uh, John that came and spoke with me, and it was uh, it was um, Aaron Rumoridza that was speaking that uh, probably prompted some of that. My sister kissing me on the cheek, and and my wife uh, speaking to me, also confirming what you were calling. Uh, Lord, I pray that whatever means you choose to speak to us, that we would be listening. And whether it's moving forward, God, by faith, we will move forward beyond where we think we're able. And Lord, if it's standing still and letting you work, we'll do that as well. And it's really hard, Lord. It seems like the standing still thing is the hardest thing for me of all of them. And Lord, if it's going back, if it's trying to remember something from the past or, or, or make good on a promise that had been dropped or repairing a relationship or going back, I pray, Lord, that right now you're laying on our minds and hearts people that we need to go back and talk to, promises that we need to go back and deliver on. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit, we want to be in step with you, so would you direct us in the direction you would have us to go? We give you thanks and praise, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill us, um, enliven us to be able to be led by you, to keep in step with you, whichever direction you take us. We'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remain standing and we'll sing this final song.